So we're starting a new sermon series uh, this Sunday. You're probably thinking, what happened to the other series? <laughs> we didn't really even finish the last one. Well, when God takes over your service and takes over uh, again and again, you just got to go with what God's going to do. So maybe we'll come back to some of those sermons that I wanted to preach another time. Uh, but today we're going to move into a new series. It's a four-week series. It's going to be throughout the month of February uh, called Pray. Now, every year we do a series on prayer. Every year. Usually we do a series on prayer at the beginning of the year to really set the stage and the tone for the rest of the year. Um, we set, sometimes we set corporate prayer goals where we're going to pray these prayers for the entire year and see God answer them. And God's been amazing at answering our prayers. Uh, sometimes we do a series uh, on specific topics of prayer, like spiritual warfare, healing, and so on. Um, and so we, we, we do this a lot. We emphasize prayer a lot here at Trinity. And the reason is, at Trinity, our aim is to become a house of prayer. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7 says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. And he was quoting that uh, passage from the Old Testament. So we want to focus on prayer often here at Trinity and make it a top priority because it's important to God. It's very important to God. God calls us to pray when we meet together in his house. That means that prayer isn't meant to be a peripheral topic, something that's kind of talked about once in a while or even is a side note. Okay, prayer is central. It's meant to be central to our faith and practice. But what I see is that prayer doesn't happen a lot in churches in North America. I mean, there's churches in, in Africa, in Asia, where in their services, that's all they do is pray. Warfare, healing, protection. They pray, pray, pray. But in North America, it's not really that, uh, it doesn't take that top priority in our churches. It doesn't happen that way. But I think partly, I believe part of the issue uh, as to why prayer isn't such a important, you know, we don't see it as, as, as important uh, in the North American church is because of our highly individualistic culture. We live in a DIY kind of lifestyle. <laughs> do it yourself. Everything, do it yourself, right? And so the idea of prayer is counter to that cultural value that we have. Now, I'm all for working hard, setting goals, achieving them, so that we can reach our highest potential. I'm all for those things. But when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to walking out our Christian life, listen, we cannot do it ourselves. We cannot do it ourselves. We need God. We need God. We need God for our salvation. Romans 3, 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We all fall short. But our justification is done through Jesus, through His grace. The word justified in Greek, diakao, 
means vindicated. We've been freed. We've been acquitted. We've been declared righteous. Not but what we could ever do, but what God did. Because we needed him to. We need God for our salvation. And you know something? We need God for our daily walk as well. I mean, we sing about it. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. I'm doing two different songs. (laughs) Lord, I need you, right? We sing about it. We need God daily. But I mean, how many of us can say, I'm just wondering, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of us have actually said something like this or thought something like this? I'm just too busy to do that. I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to dive into Scripture. I'm too busy to have a daily devotional life. We're just too busy. And I believe busyness is one of the key strategies of Satan over Christians in North America to keep them from our power source. It's one of the keys. And you might say to me, well, James, you got to know, man. You don't know what I'm going through right now. And I would be, can I be straight with you? I, yeah, you're right in that I don't know what you might be going through right now. And you're probably very busy. And like many of us are very busy. But I also do not believe there is such thing as I don't have time for prayer. I don't believe there is such a thing as that. It's I don't make the time for prayer. I don't make the time. I think we need to come to a place of admitting to ourselves that we don't pray Not because we don't have time, it's because we don't make the time. Because if you value something in life, you will make time for it. You will. If you value football, you will make time for football. You know, when I wrote this sermon, I did not know Super Bowl Sunday was today. For real, I didn't know. I'm like, I don't watch football except Brandon Lowen, okay? I watch Brandon Lowen, I'm all cool with Brandon Lowen, but... I had no idea. I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl, <laughs> to be honest with you. Right? But if you, if you value things, you're going to make time for it. If you value social media, Facebook, you're going to make time for it. You're going to make time. So please don't take this as condemnation. But there's no such thing as having no time for prayer. You're simply not making the time. And I'll be honest with you, there are times when I struggle to make time for prayer for my own personal life. What? Pastor James, you're a pastor. Yeah, there are times where I struggle to make time for prayer with my kids, with my family, for my own personal devotional life. When it comes to preaching, oh yeah, you got to pray. God, show me the words, show me what to say. Sure, but my own personal devotional life, I'll be honest with you, there are times where I struggle with that. There are times. And then what happens is after some time goes by, it's like, wow, look what, everything's going wrong in my life and all this stuff is happening. Have you ever heard the saying, seven days without prayer makes one week? Play on words, I like that, right? It's so true. It does. After time goes by without prayer, my life starts to unravel and things start to get really overwhelming. Last week, Shannon shared... Uh, in our service about some of her struggles and conflicts in her home. And I just, wow, Brian, I'm just saying, wow. That was, you know, that was very 
courageous of her to do that, you know, to be open and vulnerable. And I just want to, you know, uh, commend her for that. that. That takes great courage to do that. But let me tell you something, that happens in the park home as well. It really does, where we go through struggles. And then eventually, I get back to my knees. After some time goes by, it's like, okay, okay, wow, Lord, what do I do here? And when I finally come to the Lord in prayer, and he answers and delivers me from my fears, my troubles, my sorrows, my hardships, my discouragement, I'm like, why did I not do this sooner? Why did, I, why did I not do this earlier? And I come to quickly realize I've been duped. I've been duped by the enemy. You see, the enemy is good at distracting us from keeping us from seeking the Lord in prayer. So yes, the busyness is a strategy of the enemy to keep us from praying. But that's actually not what I want to talk about this morning. That was just an introduction. It was an introduction to expose the enemy. We have an enemy. He does not want us to be praying. He does not want us to be a praying church. Right? He doesn't want us to be connected because he knows prayer is our source of strength. Prayer is our power bank, so to speak. Prayer connects us with God. In fact, one of the things that I keep saying about revival, we talk about revival a lot here at Trinity, is this, prayer is the engine for revival. Without prayer, you're not going to have revival. Revival is marked by prayer. And so Satan doesn't want us to pray, and he'll throw distractions our way to keep us from praying. Today I want to talk about something that is essential for our prayer life. For our prayers to be effective, we need to know where we pray from. We need to know our position. And when I say that, I don't mean location. Our position, our standing, our foundation. We need to know that. We need to know where we are praying from for our prayers to be effective. Some of you may not know this about me. Others of you, you know that I have a black belt in keeping it real. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, martial arts was a big part of my upbringing. Um, I'm a dangerous pastor. It's true. Uh, when I was young, I, rem- I think I was in grade four, maybe grade three or four, and uh, I was bullied a lot as a kid, quite a lot. And uh, this one day, it was winter just like this, a day like, kind of like today. Um, some kids had thrown me in the snow, and they were kicking me and th- kicking snow in my face. And um, it was horrible, horrible experience. And after school that day, I ran home, and I was just so upset. I was so sad and angry and all these emotions all locked up in there. And uh, I went downstairs to the basement, and I just started punching all my stuffed animals and I was just really upset you know and my dad heard this and he came down he's like what's what's wrong and I told him what had happened and uh, he was really upset about that as well and so I mean he did what he thought was best Um, he enrolled me in taekwondo and he thought okay well you need to know how to defend yourself then and so long story short 
I was never bullied again. Never again. Um, I learned to defend myself really well. In fact, almost too much. I did preemptive <laughs> things, so not necessarily a good thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, although, I mean, it helped me in some ways, it also gave my rage an avenue by which it could express itself. But that's a different story, but uh, uh, that's what happened. Now, Taekwondo, if you think about it, the most important thing about martial arts, Taekwondo, whatever you're taking, karate, isn't striking. You may think that, but it's not. That's actually not the most important aspect of martial arts. It's not kicking. It's not punching. It's not blocking. It's not any of these things. It's actually your positioning is the most important thing when you're taking martial arts. It's your positioning, your footing, your foundation. You can have incredible power in your legs, but without the proper positioning, you cannot kick to the maximum potential. You can have incredible hand speed, but if you don't have the right footing, you can't properly hit your target. It, it's harder to accurately hit your target. You need to have the right footing, the right stance, the right foundation, the right position. In prayer, our positioning is crucial. And the enemy knows this, so he attacks us, but our prayer life, he attacks our prayer life by confusing us of our position. It's one of the challenges that people have when it comes to prayer. We don't know our position. We don't know where we are praying from. And without knowing our position, prayers just seem like empty words. We're just saying words. Or without knowing our right foundation, we're praying for people to hear what we're praying. We care more about how we sound than how effective the prayers are. We need to know our positioning, the place from which we stand where our prayers are directed. And so the title of my talk this morning is this, My Prayers and the Victory of God. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you have placed a vision upon this church to become a house of prayer. We have a long way to go, Lord. We do. We have a long way to go. But Lord, we have seen the power of prayer in our lives. That we can come to you for absolutely anything. And Lord, we just, I ask you right now, Lord God, by the power of your spirit that you would anoint your servant to speak this message a message that I believe you placed in my heart, that it would be effective in equipping the saints to pray mountain-moving prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read a portion of the Lord's Prayer for you. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, says this. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right there, Jesus gave us our position. Right there. Now going back to our, the analogy of taekwondo, 
The proper fighting stance requires your feet to be firmly planted like this. Like this. Okay, not like this. Like this. 70% of your weight is on the back leg. 30% is on your front leg. It doesn't mean one is more important than the other. It's a matter of purpose. There's a reason why there's more weight on the back foot one, and why one foot is lighter. Okay? So the back one is for balance. The other one is for striking. Okay? And so that's the proper fighting stance in Taekwondo. So just like our two feet, I want to use that as an analogy for our position in prayer. The back foot, where most of the weight is firmly planted, is our identity in Christ. Let me tell you something. The devil will attack your identity. No question. When Jesus was led to the wilderness, that's the first thing Satan did was attack his identity. If you are the son of God, then do this. What are you talking about if you're the son of God? Of course, he's going to attack our identity. All the time. Why? Because it's our foundation for praying. He's going to knock you off balance. So that first foot, so to speak, is our identity in Christ. And that first part of the Lord's Prayer says, what does it say? Our Father in heaven. We refer to God as our Father. Now suppose you want to talk to our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. You want to talk to the guy. Okay? I mean, you, you can't, really. Maybe. Maybe you could try, but you can send him an email. Or, I think it was two years ago, he was here for Oktoberfest. My wife and Eden, they, they went to go see, see him, try to get a glimpse of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. And they had, like, gates up. They had security. But he walked by. He was giving high fives to people. And maybe you can squeeze through and get a little high five, but to be like, hey, buddy, get over here. Let's talk. Let's you can't do that. Okay? There's security. You'd be tossed. Or if you wanted to go into his parliament, his office at parliament, no way. It's not going to happen. Or knock on the door of his residence. Hey, can we chat? Tr- Justin, Trudeau, can we chat? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Right? Access denied. However, If you're one of his three children, there's no issue. They have access all the time, every time. In fact, they live with the guy. They live with him. They want to talk to daddy? They go to his bedroom. Hey, daddy, can we talk? I want to talk right now. And I could just picture our Prime Minister Trudeau being like, sure, son, sure, daughter. Why? Because there's children. Of course he's going to do that. We are God's children. Those who are in Christ Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we are God's children. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says this, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And here's one more for good measure. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become 
children of God. You know, in the ancient world, this idea of sonship, daughtership, carried huge implications. Huge implications in the Roman world. If a child didn't have a father or mother, they were in danger. They could be sold into slavery. They didn't have any rights. None. But if a child became adopted, they would be legally declared a son or a daughter which gave them rights. There's rights. There's inheritance. Rights to have protection. Rights to have provision. Romans 8 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We now have access to the Father because we are adopted sons and daughters of God. That means we have access to provision, to protection. It is our birthright. It is our inheritance. We can claim it. Why? Because we're a child of God. It's position. That's who we are. We don't have to worry about that. We got it. It's our birthright. It's part of our positioning in prayer. We pray from a place of sonship, daughtership, full access to God. Now for the front leg. This is the fun leg. It's the one that does all the kicking. The front leg. Let's go back to the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Love this. Love this prayer. There's so much, so much meat in that one little verse. It's such a crucial part of the Lord's Prayer. You see, the message that Jesus came to preach, the message, the message that Jesus came to preach was the kingdom of God. That was his central message. His parables about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like a vineyard. The kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God is. Listen, that was his main message. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus came into Galilee. Excuse me. Here. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Matthew 4.23 says this, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The kingdom of God is God's rule. The kingdom of God is God's reign. The kingdom of God is God's bossness. It's a new word. God is boss. He's boss. He's bossing it, okay? It's his rule and reign. When Jesus came to earth and preached the gospel and healed the sick and would come to a demon-possessed person and say, get out. Listen, 
There was no power struggle. It was get out. And he went out. When Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God, he was putting a stake in the ground and saying, the victory of God is here. Satan, your authority is finished. It's done. Nullified. It's done. The victory of God is here. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the way it is in heaven, Lord, make it so here. We are declaring the victory of God more and more. Establishing his kingdom more and more. Because you see, although on the cross, Jesus won the battle. The battle was won. Satan was defeated. But the war rages on. We still struggle with sin, sickness, We still struggle with things, but the kingdom is here now. And it's invading this world. That's what Jesus came to proclaim and demonstrate. I'm here. God's kingdom's here. And he's taking over. He's kicking in the door. Satan, you're done. The victory of God is here. And the establishment of God's victory on earth is done gradually and done through our prayers. Isn't that amazing? God's victory is brought upon this earth through our prayers. That's why Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a mighty weapon for the Christian. A mighty weapon. And it's no wonder why the devil wants to block you from that and knowing that because there is tremendous authority in our prayers. Your will be done. Mighty weapon. A very important important part of our stance, our position, our footing. When we pray... God moves heaven to earth. Now, some of us might think, well, God's got this regardless of my prayers. He's sovereign. I don't need to pray. He'll do it anyway. And so we become complacent in prayer. But that's not the case. In God's sovereignty, he chooses to partner with us in bringing his kingdom to earth in bringing his victory over sin and death through our prayers. It's sonship and his victory wrapped up in one package. That's how God wants to do it. That's the power of our prayers. That's the positioning by which we pray from. It's awesome. When we pray, God moves. How many of you have ever heard of the... uh, theologian, saint by the name of Augustine. St. Augustine. Very well known. Very brilliant. Much of his works are still used, read, studied. Foundational for many in the body of Christ. And he wrote somewhere in between three, uh, around 400 A.D., so a long time ago, yet his works are still um, regarded as uh, very important for our doctrine and our faith. 
Well, Augustine wasn't always a believer. He was raised in a, in a Christian home. His mother was a devout believer. His father was not. He was a pagan. His father kind of was uh, non-existent, uh, not, not really around much. Um, Augustine was a brilliant guy, philosopher. He, would, he loved to argue with people about faith, matters of faith, and he tried to bring people away from the Christian faith through his philosophies and his brilliant mind and his argumentation. He was just that brilliant. His mother, Monica, was a prayer warrior, and she saw the state of her son was like, God, you got to do something. You got to move in his life. And she prayed. And she prayed and she prayed. And it's interesting, at first, the more she prayed, the worse he got. Because he fell away into all sorts of just immoral living. Kind of like a prodigal son type thing. I mean, loose living, sexual immorality, drunkenness, and all sorts of just far and far away from God. But Monica, his mother, continued to pray for Augustine. Continued to pray. God even gave her a dream. That she was walking hand in hand with her son in heaven. And that fueled her prayer. She continued to pray for nine years. Nine years. And eventually, the victory of God broke into that man's life. Kicked through the door of his heart. Sometimes, God, you know, Revelations 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Sometimes he breaks the door in. Okay, That happened to Augustine. He came under a tremendous conviction, started repenting of his sin, gave his life to the Lord, and he wrote, For the kingdom of God. Some of his works, Confessions, City of God, on Christian doctrine, they're still used today in seminaries and all, all over the world. All because... His mother prayed, prayed to God. Our prayers move God to move. And it's not a control thing. We're not controlling God through our prayers. We're partnering with God. We're partnering with Him. It's a partnership thing. John Piper preached a sermon on prayer. Oh man, that man is a godly man. Prayer warrior. This is what he said. Love it. I might even paint it on my wall in the office there. God chooses simple people of faith to bring his victory by prayer. And so a a small church on the corner of Waterloo can pray. We can pray for Zambia To be saved, healed, delivered, and God will do it. We can pray when our missions team goes to Haiti. God, protect them under the shadow of your wings. And they'll go through checkpoints and dangerous roads and so on. Totally covered by the presence of God. Through prayer. These two things, my identity in Christ and the victory of God, 
plant us firmly in the right position to pray mountain-moving prayers. Because let me tell you something. This is so important for us at Trinity. Very important. Very crucial for us right now in this season at Trinity Church. Right now, we are entering, I believe strongly, we are entering a season of revival. We are entering a season where God's manifest presence is creeping in and changing lives and setting us free. I believe there's a purpose to it. God wants Kitchener-Waterloo saved. Saved the whole city. Crime rate, zero. Sex trafficking, zero. I believe that. 100%. I believe, I believe there's going to be no such thing as young offender custody facilities. They're going to have to shut down because they're going to come to Jesus. And it's going to happen when we pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. When we begin to pray boldly as sons and daughters of God, I believe we're going to see depression and despair lifted in Jesus' name. I believe as we pray boldly, we are going to see the power of addiction broken in Jesus' name. The fentanyl thing that's happening right now in Kitchener-Waterloo, it's going to be history in Jesus' name. I believe when we pray boldly for the lost to come to Jesus, we're going to see them come in droves. Our family our sons and daughters, our brothers and sisters, those who are walking in total darkness. Pray that God would give them a paradigm shift like the Apostle Paul. Open their eyes, God, so that they would see you for who you are and see the Lordship of Jesus. And I believe we're going to see them come. And again, praying boldly to see drug dealers, sex traffickers. It's a thing in our city, in the Tri-Cities. It's, it's a thing. It's actually a thing. We need to pray that these people would be radically saved and start preaching the gospel in their own context. It's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. And it's going to start when we start praying for it to happen. Amen? So church, let's pray bold prayers. Let's do it. Let's partner with God. Pray boldly for his victory to unfold before our very eyes. When we see that happening, God's going to get all the glory. His name is going to be seen as great in this city, in this nation, to the ends of the earth. Amen? Let's do it. Let's go all the way for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, nothing is impossible with you. Nothing. It's impossible is not a thing. God, we trust you. 
And Lord, I know there are those here who have prayed for years and years and years for victory, for breakthrough, for you to move. And Lord, I believe, I just pray for strength and boldness to come upon them once again, to continue on. Just like how Augustine's mother, Monica, prayed for years and years for her son to get saved. God, we will not give up. We will not. Because we know that nothing is impossible with you. You are our Father in heaven. Your name is great. May you be seen as great in all that we do. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in and through our lives here at Trinity, corporately as a church, for our denomination, the Evangelical Missionary Church, let your kingdom come. We pray for a reversal of churches closing, that churches would be planted, that churches would be renewed in Jesus' name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our eyes are on you. We love you, Lord. Nothing's impossible with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.